I recently just came across a question that's really been challenging me. And it is, why should I seek things Jesus never cared about? And it's interesting what happens when the priorities of the world become the cares of our heart. When we're wrapped and surrounded in our work and what we do, being booked and busy, seeking the next promotion, working hard in university to prove to the world who we are and what we can do, and all of these things that continuously take us away from God and who he is. And it's interesting, once we have all of these things and they come across our lap and they're in our life, we're left feeling the same every single time. More restless, exhausted, and just completely burnt out. It's just like we reach every milestone the world says we need to. We have this amount of money. We have this level of status. We reach this type of position in this company. We reach this type of lifestyle in this area at this point at this time. But it seems to be never enough. And I think I'm at the point to where I'm just surrendering it all, especially when it comes to this next year and going into 2024. And I think what that looks like for me and what that means is just realizing God can do more with my life in his hands than I could ever do with mine. And so I'm really done looking at what the world is telling me how to live or even what I think may be best and really digging deeper into what God has to say about it. And when I think about that in terms of how God says that I should live and move and conduct my life, the one thing that kept coming to my mind was the quiet life. Mm. And it's mentioned in First Thessalonians 4, verse 11. And it says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. This just kept being repeated in my mind time and time again, especially as I was looking into 2024 and what my focus was. And so I really wanted to dig deeper into what this meant to me and what I've been finding in terms of what it actually means to live a quiet life. Because that sounds super serene, peaceful, and ideal, but what does that look like and how can we actually achieve that? And even when I was looking it up, like one of the first things that I saw that I thought was good, it says, too often we associate the idea of a quiet life with someone who is naturally quiet and reserved. But a quiet life isn't a life of silence. It's a life anchored in the quiet truth of who God is, who we are, and why we are here. Because a quiet life begins with a quiet heart, knowing that God is in control of everything. Mm. And so, yeah, whenever I think about a quiet life and what that entails, one of the the three biggest things that come to mind are being unhurried, undistracted, and unworried. And so that's what we're going to really be getting into and talking mm-hmm. about. And as y'all can see, if you're watching, right, on Spotify or YouTube, we're out here in we Destin, Florida. We out here, man. We out <laughs> we're here. on the beach with it right now. Yeah. And so we're doing something a little different and switching it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited about this, and I hope you all love this format. It's kind of going to be like a what I call a podcast vlog of yeah. sorts. So we're going to be filming this episode in three different locations. We're right now we're on a little vacation, essentially. This is the last yeah. week of 2023. We're with our family. And, yeah, we're here, like, on the beach with it. And, honestly, I've it only felt fitting and right to film this first part um, of the episode here on the beach when we're talking about being unhurried. Because I feel like when I'm here, I'm... That's exactly how I feel, like sitting here on the beach, looking at the ocean and being in all of this just kind of makes me still 
and like sure. puts me in my place um, to kind of slow down. And so yeah, I'm really I'm really hyped about this. We're gonna be doing this first part here. We're gonna be doing one part in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Yep. We're going there for our friend's birthday, and then probably one back home somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm hyped. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped too. I mean, you can hear the ambiance of the waves hitting the shore. You like, feel me? It's just different. It's different. It's different. <laughs> it's that's just that's just that gives a different level of calmness. You know when you got them apps and people be listening to the sounds to go to sleep, like the white noise and whatnot. The waves Fact. is one of them. It's just Fact. associated with calmness. 1, so like you said. It only felt right. Yeah, and we've had a great right. time here, honestly. Most it's definitely. a little chilly, and I'm really big on, like, getting into ocean. I love going far. I mean, I would, like, going deep and just, like, but yeah. it's way too cold. <laughs> but it, it's still smooth. Like, there's nothing like being on the beach with palm trees. Yep. It's sunny. It, there's nothing that compares. So we really enjoyed ourselves so far. Exactly. Most, most definitely. Most definitely. So I want to start with the passage that because i was obviously i was sitting with it and this is the first really verse that came to mind and it's in first kings chapter 19 verse 11 through 13 and it says then he said go out and stand on the mountain before the lord and behold the lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the lord but the lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire but the lord was also not in the fire and after the fire, a small, still voice. So it was, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So when I think a quiet life, I think a quiet life is a life that makes a small, still voice loud. I think God, God's never going to yell at you. Right. We always hear like God's a gentleman. He's never going to force himself on you or into your life. And I think that's what yelling would be. Yelling would be forcing you to listen to him. He's never going to force you to listen to him. He's in the small, still voice like this, like this verse said, which I love so much. It's up to us to turn down the volume of everything else so that we can hear his voice. So I think all of the people who heard from God the most when we look at these biblical figures and even people who we've seen in our lifetime that were just powerhouses for the kingdom, they heard his voice so well because I think they lived the quiet life. It's it's the most conducive place and environment for you to hear his voice. So that's what I think when I think of quiet life. And I was watching his TikTok video and this outro was so far. It's a crazy way to outro a video. He said, you can always tell what's important to God by what the world is trying to destroy. And I think you see that when you look at the culture. I think we live in a day and age where your your value is determined by the amount of motion you have. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like your value is determined by like how many things you, you got. You got no motion. In, you man. see what I'm saying? And and what you're doing. And I saw someone on Snapchat like flexing, working 40 hour days every single day. Not 40 hours. I'm tripping. That's crazy. I'm tripping. <laughs> whoa, whoa! I'm tripping. There's only 24 <laughs> hours. <laughs> 40 hours is crazy. There's only 20. That would be wild. Okay. Uh, <laughs> she, it was. Uh, I think it was like 12 hours. She was flexing, working. 12 out 12 hour days had a big fat coffee cup in the picture oh another 12 hour day i was like ah, like is that really something to be flexing about like i yeah. i don't know but it, it speaks to the the climate of where the culture we live in i think that is a lot of people's mentality like i i have something i, I have a lot that i'm doing right i have a lot that's taking up my time so i got motion i'm important right because i'm doing all I these different value. things so i think like the quote said, you can always tell what's important to God, but what the world is trying to destroy. The world is trying to destroy a quiet life. The world is 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 completely contrary to this idea that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be 
going into more depth about it, you know, the further we get into the episode. But I wanted to start right there. Like you can tell when you look at the the, the way that we're living our lives, there's such a pressure. And I think a lot of other people feel it, too. Sometimes I feel this pressure to I'm only doing this like uh, like I should probably do that, too, and pick up that. And it's like, well, I don't think you need to be doing all that. And it's never enough. And it's never enough ever. But that's a bar. I think a quiet life it's one that makes the small still voice loud mm. and kind of off of what you were saying a lot of what i've been thinking about is it seems as if everything is surrounded around our work and what we do instead mm. of who we are yeah it's like we've been grown up we've like grown up and been conditioned to be busy but not still yeah and so we're always in a rush to meet the next deadline to get to Mm -hmm. the next promotion i'm 23 i'm not married i don't have the house i haven't relocated i'm still in this position and we're always in this constant chase of more what we think our life should be and it's interesting i feel like it's one of these things that we all feel you know it's just like i feel like everyone just seems tired Mm. right like when you ask someone like how they're doing or what's going on it's like oh well good just busy Mm. Right. As if like that's the norm or something that we've just um, allowed ourselves to become complacent in, like to not have time for ourselves, our family, what's important, our own soul. Right. And what I put down is hurry allows you to survive, but it doesn't leave much room for you to live. And it's really hard to be still and sit in God's presence when I'm just trying to survive and rush through everyday life. Mm. And so. That's the danger of what it does in terms of our spiritual life. It speeds us up so much where I'm too preoccupied to give God like my first fruits Mm -hmm. of like my time or just my heart. Right. In my thoughts to like just be present with him um, and give him all of that. And one other thing or rather quote that I saw that really resonated with this whole thought was in a book that you recommended you've read Mm. and they've heard about many times on a podcast if you've been listening for a while but the ruthless elimination of hurry by john mark comer and one thing that he said is hurry is not just a disordered schedule hurry is a disordered heart Mm. and so i believe that once we get in this constant cycle of just always having so much motion it ultimately leaves us like our hearts in a place that's also disgruntled that's disorganized that Mm -hmm. is pieces of us in so many different places that god can't get all of it and so i think that's also just important to note and when i'm looking at what a quiet life is one thing that i've really been trying to do is look at what jesus did and how he went about it because that's always the best barometer and so i was reminded of Um, In Mark 6, essentially when he performed one of the most miraculous miracles ever recorded, and that was turning the five loaves and two fish into, you know, feeding, I don't know, what was it, like 5,000? 5,000. 5,000 people. And in verses 45 and 46, it mentions this. And this is after they had completed feeding everyone, and now they're on their way to the next city. It said, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd, after leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. And this took out to me because when I was thinking about this quiet life um, and not being hurried or rushed, one thing that I always noted is the fact that Jesus always took time to go away and pray. You see this a lot throughout the Gospels and within within his ministry. And looking at this, it showed me that even in the midst of work, Jesus never forgot his true priority. Mm -hmm. He was never too occupied with what was next or what needed to be done to make time for God. 
and it's interesting how we've made our work an excuse for distraction instead of devotion Mm. because I think that look at what he did and the work that he was performing on God's behalf and he still took the time to make sure that he had devotion to God and I think sometimes even for me I'll speak for myself I'll be whether it be after a long day of work or whether you're in school and you've just been in class all day you've had meetings and whatnot I think we'll come back and use our work as this excuse to just distract ourselves right like okay I just need to get my show on Netflix on I just need to go ahead and sit down and watch this Monday night football or turn on this NBA game or let me just get on TikTok for a little bit because I know I'm gonna see something that's gonna you know make me laugh or get me tight and so it's like an excuse for us because of us being so restless and Mm -hmm. our days being so filled with what burns us out that we allow ourselves just to quote unquote relax Mm -hmm. right and not rest and so when I looked at that, I think that was just like the epitome of like what I can challenge myself in and continue to do better in my day to day. And definitely something I want to take into 2024 It's not using my work as an excuse for me just to be distracted. Right. And not get into my word and not pray and not staying within community or fast or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. because, oh, I've worked so hard this year. Yeah. I've worked so hard today. Oh, this has been a long week, right? Imagine sitting there feeding 5,000 people mm-hmm. from two fish and five loaves. I'm sure that was exhausting as well. And his first response was to go and pray, realizing where his true rest came from. And so, yeah, I just thought that was honestly a highlight for me, yeah. which bringing this point of being unhurried together. Jesus was really like that. He was him. because simply yo what's up y'all it's jordan and i know we're interrupting a regularly scheduled program but we're gonna get straight to that in a second we got some dire important news we're excited to let y'all know that we're actually partnering with hello fresh to get you guys some discounts on some uh, meal plans and for those of you who don't know what hello fresh is essentially it's a lifesaver um and i feel like it's coming at no better time it's the beginning of the year We're all looking to revamp our eating habits. That's a lot of people's resolutions for the year. Start eating better. And something I just found out is that HelloFresh has over 30 um, calorie-safe and protein-focused recipes for their meal plans. So I feel like if that's something that you're looking forward to doing for your New Year's resolution, it's something that you definitely need to capitalize on. And another thing that I love about HelloFresh is how convenient it is. Me and Darren moved out about a year back, for those of you who don't know, and we was eating fast food a lot, like every day, basically. And the reason why is because I felt like I didn't have time. I felt like with everything that I was juggling, it's difficult to go grocery shopping and then preparing the food and then cooking the food. It felt like a whole thing, right? But with HelloFresh, it's so convenient. All you have to do is go online, pick your box, right? Pick the dates and it gets delivered straight to your doorstep, right? So they're taking care of their meal prep. They're taking care of the grocery shopping and all you got to do is cook it. And the meals take no longer than some of them are 15 to 20 minutes. Some of them as low as eight minutes. You can go and you can look at the different times. It has all the information you need, but that's my favorite part about it is it's it's not time consuming and it's super super convenient right and 
I rock with y'all, right? And y'all rock with me, right? I wouldn't steer y'all wrong. Y'all, y'all, could, y'all could trust me. We like this. We like this, right? So if you want to take advantage of this opportunity, all you need to do is go to HelloFresh.com slash JustDifferentFree and use code JustDifferentFree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash JustDifferentFree with code JustDifferentFree. This is America's number one meal kit, y'all. So I'm not even the only one that's saying this. There's people all over the world suggesting this to y'all. So y'all go ahead and tap in. Let's get right back to the regular schedule program. All right, y'all. So check it out. We are here in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Finally made it. Yeah. Feels like we've been back-to-back worldwide. I saw somebody DM'd us, actually, because we put up – a story of whenever we were at the beach in Destin, and they said, "Oh, y'all globe trotters." <laughs> globe trotters, crazy. I heard. I was I like that. that. I, I was like, that "That's nuts." But no, yeah, we're here for you know the second part, or at least like portion of you know what it looks like or what it means to live a quiet life. We talked yeah. about being unhurried, and honestly, the next part of what that looks like and what I've been even learning myself is being undistracted, and. This wasn't planned at all, but it just made sense being here in Gatlinburg. We're out here in the boonies. In the cut. In the cut. Y'all going to see some videos of us, like, coming up here. This It's insane. There's no service. We're probably going to see a bear. And (laughs) (laughs) no, for real. I have no idea what we're going to do. And, yeah, so we're here with... Our best friends, our guy, Eric, celebrating his birthday tomorrow. So it's definitely up. And so honestly, for the next few days, is really the time to disconnect. And we're talking about it. Being here, you know, I would imagine and can see why people take trips like this to any type of, like, cabin in the woods, kind of far off on its own. Yeah, we stepped outside, and it was just real quiet. It's so quiet here. different to, like, a peaceful type of quiet. It was weird. It's... Yeah, but I love it. I'm not like experienced that level of just being still and silent right. in forever. But it honestly just plays that much more into this whole idea of kind of being like so focused yeah. and having your eyes fixed. And Very so symbolic, in a way. definitely. Yeah. So that that's kind of like the second part of us being out here in the woods. Bro, I'm telling you, if I see a bear, it's up. <laughs> I'm not playing it's no up. games. What you mean, like, you gonna do something? Huh? What you mean, you gonna, like, you gonna do something about it? What am I gonna do? <laughs> I ain't know what type of it's up you meant. It's different type, types of it's up. I nah, bro, I'm up. <laughs> My I'm, time. That's what's I'm up. cooked. Well it's done. Time's up. <laughs> Very much so. But no, yeah, so being undistracted. Yeah, I was, because uh, in the previous installment, I guess you could say when we were in Dustin, <laughs> You have brought up uh, an instance in the life of Jesus where you thought he really showed this idea of the quiet life. And I believe it's you brought up the moment after he fed the 5,000 mm-hmm. and um, really how he responded after. And so I was sitting, I'm thinking, what were other times in his ministry that I felt he showed, I guess specifically this idea of being undistracted, but showed us what it meant to live a quiet life because that's, we're supposed to be walking like he walks. I think imitation is a huge part of being a disciple. It's not just, you know, saying, but doing. So the instance that God brought to mind, which is one that 
you don't really hear often. At least I, I haven't too much, you know, compared to the other ones. But it's in Matthew seventeen twenty four. I'm just going to read it and then go from there. It says, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the, co- the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From who do the from whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open his mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. So when I read this, there was a couple things that came to mind. And the first one was really the possibilities of the amount of G- things Jesus could have been doing while he was here on earth. Like, bro just commanded a fish to bring him a coin. You know what I mean? Like, imagine, you know what I mean? The word talks about how Solomon was one of the richest men, men in the world. But, like, that shows me how Jesus easily could have t- taken that title if he really wanted to. There, there was plenty of things of, like, miracles that, that, that he didn't do but he had the ability to. And I feel like that alone for me shows the idea of being distracted because I was reading this book, Essentialism. I think uh, this was maybe a year and a half ago I read it. And it was talking about this principle of how sometimes what you aren't doing is just as important as what you are doing. And we spoke about it a little bit earlier in the episode about how this day and age is, is backwards. And it's about the more you're doing, the better. But I think what Jesus showed with this is like sometimes it's really just about being focused on what you need to be focused on. And, and that's that's the most vital thing to your walk and to your life. And something, a principle I really liked in this book that I've tried my best to apply to my life as well and really walk out is is recognizing that you could be doing all of the wrong things. You, you could you could be spending your time and energy doing a lot, but it'd be the wrong things right you're, you're really just wasting your time and on the other end of that I could be doing even the right thing but if it's piled on top of with a bunch of unnecessary things it kind of cancels out because because I really should be focusing the bulk of my energy on that one thing so it's 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 not about the amount it's about what it is it's it's you know this idea of you know quality over quantity type of thing when you're looking at your life and that your habits and your your hobbies and the things that you're spending your time doing it's just like what is gearing me and pointing me towards my purpose and that's the way that I try to filter a lot of the things that I'm doing and in the in the decisions that I'm making and something else that this is a small point but in the um story in Matthew Jesus says we're exempt like we don't need to pay the tax right but he says, you know what, just so we don't cause trouble, go ahead and get it. Like, we don't need to, but I'd rather not spend my time on, on this scuffle that's going to take place or this, this issue that it's going to cause. Like, it's unnecessary. I'd rather not be, you know, distracted by this and, and get kind of off track of what, what really matters. So that's, those are the two main things I noticed with this story. It's like Jesus was like, I got other things I need to be doing that are more important. Yeah, and then really one of the points that I had down for this idea is the fact that distractions aren't just about the lack of focus, but the presence of options. And I think this is a conversation that's happening currently that a lot of us have probably heard and familiar with. And this idea that there's like this illusion of access 
and options that people have. So, for example, when we talk about dating and relationships, like no one is ever satisfied with like what they actually have because it's potential of what can be or what I could get or who I could potentially be with. And so it's this constant state of more and never being satisfied with what is or what you have when most of the time what you have is all that you need and everything you want is actually right in front of you. And when I was thinking about that, I was like, that's almost the same way that we treat Jesus. Yeah. When it comes to every other option we have to entertain ourselves, to give our devotion to our time, our energy, our heart, our emotions, you know, there's a plethora of options that are at our feet Mm -hmm. and at our disposal. And sometimes even though he's right in front of us, we're always Mm -hmm. looking to the left and right of like, well, maybe this could give me what I believe Jesus can't right now. Yeah. Right. And it's like, we're we're never settled because there's always some type of almost buyer's remorse that we have Mm -hmm. of what we feel we could be doing or giving our energy and time to. And so it really comes down to the discipline aspect of even training your spirit, your mind, and like your emotional capacity of realizing that there is no other option. Mm. And, not necessarily that there's not, but there is no better option. And once you realize that and there's not like this remorse that we have of what can be knowing like, no, this is actually it. Then, you know, we're able to like fix that focus and not have our attention divided each and every way. Because I think that leads to this like anxiety and this pressure that we feel when we talk about like being hurried and yeah. worried or distracted that doesn't allow us to be still like and have that serene and that quiet mm. like honestly in our hearts our souls and our minds um of always thinking about okay like what could be next what wait maybe like this isn't enough like i i don't know but what am i missing out on um and your mind is just running rampant and you can never have the opportunity just to be um present with yourself and with god more importantly so that's what i was thinking about yeah something you said while you were talking that reminded me of this i think you know, in my time of reflection, looking back on the year, God showed me that a trap I had fallen into when it comes to being undistracted is working for things I already had access to. Um, and there's this, <laughs> it's actually uh, something that Drake said. I know this is good. <laughs> Drake said, he was like, um, it's, it was something he said in the song. He said, it's the storm before the calm. We'll get to the vacation later. And I noticed like this was a mindset that I had, recognizing that you should be working you shouldn't be working for rest. You should be working from a place of rest. But I feel like a trap I uh, fell into was like, I, I need to work before I can get there. That's something I need to earn. That's something I need to, to gain. And in a, in a, in a small way, maybe, but I was missing the whole, but um, yeah, with that, I, I was missing, like, that's something I have access to now. And I think, there's that's just one example but i think there was a lot of things like that uh, and i heard something else with uh the same concept that said um we shouldn't be working for victory but from a place of victory like it's something we already have and i feel uh, there maybe are a lot of people walking through that in their lives right now where they're they're trying to strive for things that they could be ha- like have right now like peace um joy all of these things, I think, are, are things that you can have. But that's a part of being distracted sometimes, is the enemy will try to convince you that you don't have these things. Therefore, you strive for them, wasting your energy 
going after things that God says you already have available to you. So I think that's a big trap I fell into. And that's also a big part of being undistracted is recognizing stuff you already have. And, you know, I'm working for this. Okay, let me make sure this is something that I don't already have access to type of thing. So that's also a big part of it that God was kind of, you know, highlighting. It's already yours. Yeah. The peace, the this quiet, and everything that we've been mentioning, it's in your possession. Yeah, it's already yours. It's yours. Own it. That's tough, right there. I like that. Shout out God, man. Shout out God, bro. All right. So y'all know what it is. Being undistracted. You think your barber was undistracted when he gave you a cut, bro? My fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually nuts, bro. bro. That's I actually stop with nuts, the bro. Until he, yeah, I got. I got, <laughs> I got He's over there. He said that's crazy. I got to stop with the barber jokes. All right, but y'all know what it is. <laughs> all right, so all right, y'all. So look, we back home in Louisville, Kentucky from this long road trip it feels like we went from destin florida we came back home went to nashville then from nashville we came back home again and then went to gatlinburg now we're finally back home hopefully for a while i don't plan on traveling or doing anything crazy this was a lot but it it was nice it was fun I'm, i'm planning on taking a long break that's something i've been thinking on i think Traveling's cool, but I think we traveled a lot <laughs> in 2023. So this year it's going. That's it's a going fact. A this little... year I'm I'm in the house. Yeah, I'm in the crib with <laughs> it. Like nothing crazy, but look, we're back. Um, so I'm super excited about. It. We're ending off this episode. We went through what it means or looks like to be unhurried in relation to living a quiet life. Then we went through being undistracted, and to kind of end it and sum it all up, I think one of the biggest things that kind of is a consensus of what this is and represents is just simply living as Jesus did. Mm -hmm. And that being the, of course, the epitome, the perfect model and action we can take to even attempt to be unhurried, be undistracted um, and live quietly. So yeah, I'm super excited. I'm hyped. It felt right to do it here at home. I'm in my room right now. I really didn't necessarily plan it this way originally like we've been calling a lot of audibles and just like switching it up but of course being at the beach now being at the beach so being at the beach in front of the ocean for unhurried being up in the cabin in the middle of nowhere for undistracted and you know being here I guess represents like the day-to-day life of how we actually live like waking up and actually executing and like be Jesus being like that barometer for us so it just made sense I was just low-key trying to be extra like do it in three different places but <laughs> it actually kind of came it together fits, no fits. for real for real, for definitely, real. Yeah. definitely and I was thinking about this verse in first John it, I think I've been reading first John um over and over again for the past couple of weeks and a lot of what's in there has been speaking to everything that we've been talking to so I would suggest that y'all y'all go read first John there's a specific verse in first John two verse six that says he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Right. So ought 
You and the King James. That's that new King James. That's that new King James. I've been spicing it up. Sometimes I like the way it sounds. You know what I mean? Right. It makes I me. You. It makes me feel smarter. It makes me feel like I'm. I'm doing something more. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but that was speaking of what you were exactly saying. Like that's what it comes down to is walking just as he walked, and even simpler than that. God's been showing me how simple he really made this walk for us. I think it's not easy. Simple doesn't always imply easy, but in terms of the steps that we need to take, it's 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 simple, right? And in comparison to how we usually approach it in exactly, our own hands. Exactly, exactly. Because we think we need to do this, that, and the other, and we're, we're super extra with it. But God's like, yo, I've, I've made it simple for you. I've simplified it for you. So throughout 1 John, you'll see this principle that's talking about, okay, so there's, there's a specific verse that says, those who claim to know God, yet walk in darkness they're they're liars and the truth is not in them and there's it shows this principle all throughout first john there's a lot of different verses that point to the same principle of like it's impossible to know god and not submit to him like it's it's impossible to truly know him his character for your eyes to be on him and to not you know live out the life that he lived um and when i noticed that i'm like yo that makes it a lot easier in terms of what I need to do because if it's if it's making this parallel of it's impossible for me, for me to know God and not live the way he lived then my job is just to continually keep my eyes on him right it's my job to continually remain in him and to seek him more so that I can know him more and then the submission the um, imitation or my life becoming like his is what will follow that so that's been a lot of reassurance for me that God's been walking me through towards the end of this year and going into 2024 is that's my job. That's my role. That That's what I need to be focused on. So that's how I would sum up everything that we've talked about. Cause you know, we've, we've broken it down into several things and, but it comes down to just living like Jesus did. But even simpler than that, it comes down to keeping your eyes on him. Right. Because what, what's what's that, what's that quote? Um, you tend to look like what you look at the most type of thing. Right. Right. So that's your, you become what you behold. Type exactly. Of thing. So so that that's your job. That that's your role. That is in its most fundamental form. And for me, that's reassuring because it's like that, that's, that's not too complicated. You know? Yeah. And essentially going off of that, which is a lot of what I wanted to end with as well, was essentially this revelation I came across when it came to a verse we're so familiar with, I've quoted so much here, even on the podcast that I never even realized. And this came from the book that I've been mentioning or have earlier, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Montgomery. But the verse is Matthew eleven twenty eight. right? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is something that we've all heard before or are somewhat familiar with. But one thing I want to focus on in this verse is this idea of the yoke. When he says, take my yoke upon you, what does yoke mean? What does it represent? What is the definition of it? And what is it? signifying this context of what he wants to communicate right and so what i found was we have to realize during the time that jesus was alive of course he was the son of god he was our savior but during that time he was also considered to be a rabbi and a rabbi is essentially just a teacher right and rabbis had two things they had a yoke and they had apprentices or disciples so they had 
people who would follow everything that they did and listen to what they taught and follow their way of life. And so with that, the one thing that Jesus had, what the other thing Jesus had was a yoke, just as any other rabbi. And what I found was that a yoke during that century was a term that essentially represented how a rabbi or a teacher read the Torah, right? It was kind of like their blueprint or their fundamentals on how they went about dissecting it and understanding it. But a yoke in terms of what it meant didn't just stop there. It also represented the rabbi's set of teachings on how to be human. Um, And what it says is it was the rabbi's way to shoulder the weight of life, right? When it came to marriage, divorce, prayer, money, sex, conflict, all of these things. In this context of what Jesus is saying as a rabbi, he's saying, like, take my yoke upon you, which essentially, yo, how I approach life, my lifestyle, my perspective, how I actually live it out, because that was the context of what that meant during that time. Whenever you go back and you kind of read this verse from that lens, it kind of like changes everything. So he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke or take my approach to life, my lifestyle, the lens in which I look at it, how I act, how I walk this out upon you. And this puts more context on this next part and learn from me. But why? Why should you take on my approach to life? Why should you learn from me? Because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy And my burden is light that definitely put it all together. So he's basically saying like, yo, take on my lifestyle and this is where you will find rest. Forsake everything that these religious teachers try to tell you or put on you, what you've always known, what your parents said, what the world around you is going and take on how I live. This is where true rest lies. And I also want to mention a few quotes that kind of with some commentary around this particular verse that really pulls it all together. This is from Dallas Wolfer, and it says, In this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. The secret involves living as Jesus lives in the entirety of his life, adopting his overall lifestyle. Our mistake is to think that following Jesus consists in loving our enemies, going the second mile, turning the other cheek, suffering patiently and hoping while living the rest of our lives just as everyone else around us does. It's a strategy bound to fail. And he also mentions in this book the fact that if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And also he mentions the fact that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. It's not that there isn't a burden. There's still a yoke there that you have to carry. But in comparison to everything else, it is light. And this sums up the quote, and it says, Jesus doesn't offer us an escape. He offers us equipment. When we think about this blueprint, it's a blueprint. You know what I mean? It's it's literally a, a step-by-step guide and manual that he gives us not to take away, to reverse, or just completely dismantle all the burdens of life, but it gives us a way to handle it and how to go about it. And the last thing that was highlighted I wanted to say was, Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibility. 
Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, his yoke, will develop in us a balance and a way of carrying life that will give you rest than the way we have been living. And so, yeah, like that's it. And like that sounds kind of like... It almost sounds cliche to some extent of our just live as Jesus did and follow his example. And what I've been finding is I've been going through like the Gospels right now for the month of January. I'm going through the entire New Testament. And one thing that I keep going back to even in going through it is the Sermon on the Mount. And this is because it literally lays the blueprint of Jesus coming on the scene and flipping how everyone had always approached life before, right? He's coming out and he's saying, yo, like love your enemies and bless those who persecute you. Like all of this crazy stuff that is completely changing the trajectory of how people always thought about life and how they should even approach it. And then he talks about even not cursing by God or earth and a simple yes or no will do. Like this is literally like to the T, the foundation of um, a lot of our day-to-day interactions and what it should look like. And so I myself have been really resting in that and looking at that specifically. And of course, everything else that he says and that's mentioned and comparing it to my own life, like does that hold up to how I approach things, how I've been treating like my neighbor, myself, how I approach God and that like practically being okay, like, yo, I can work on this in this area, right? He talks about settling disputes with your brother and sister. He says, don't go to the altar and offer gifts if you have not reconciled your problem with your brother, right? Like, and so I'm in my own mind, analyzing, examining my own life. All right, like, what have I not reconciled? Like, what problem is not there? And what gifts am I trying to offer to God? What sacrifice am I trying to give that he is not listening to because I've yet to reconcile something that needs to happen right like all of these little things um I'm really like taking him at his word and like really like just digging deep into it and letting it be a mirror as the bible always should be essentially I'm just letting it be a mirror and just conforming my life to that like continuously until it looks exactly to everything that he said and so yeah, I wanted to mention that because that was fire. So basically on taking the yoke of Jesus, like not just what he said, but how he lived and how he specifically told us to do so. Um, that's where rest is really found. Right. And that verse just that was a full circle. But that verse in context of understanding that definition of a yoke in terms of it being a lifestyle of a rabbi and how they approach life changes everything for me. Yeah. And something that I notice and also. I want to be a point of encouragement for everyone else is this past year I developed a bad habit of reading the Bible like something to know instead of something to apply. And the evidence of that was shown in even how I was reading it. Like I was I, I and I thought it was good and it's good to know the Bible, but I would literally read an entire book in like a day and then go to the next one and then go to the next one, which is good. But I, I wasn't allowing myself to actually understand it and apply it because i feel like if you're if you're focused on you know actually applying what you're reading you're going to take your time with it you know like you're not going to be just let me just get all this information in my mind and that's something that god has showed me and 
it's something I want to definitely focus more on this year and be very intentional about because I think towards the latter end of the year, that's why I was, I felt like I was, there's so much more stress in my life. I wasn't as at peace and I was missing the fullness of what God had for me. And that's why, because I, I mean, I was reading the Bible, but I wasn't applying it. I wasn't, oh, this is what he says to do. Oh, let me go do it. And something that I was thinking about earlier is when you look at the life of Jesus, every message that he taught, you can simultaneously see a moment of him walking that out as well. That's right. Tough. So, I mean, even what you're talking about, when we talking about love your neighbor as you love yourself, everything in the Sermon of the Mount, this is stuff that you see him doing. Every principle that there is that he taught, he also lived out. Even the idea of the principle of rest, like he was sleeping on the boat when it was storming, you know, like the, the principle of, you know, the secret place. He was all, always going off. So that's something I love about the life of Jesus. He wasn't just talking it, but he was applying it. You know, he he didn't just know it. He was living it. And I think that's the same concept or the same way that we're supposed to do it, like we like we've been saying. But um, I just don't want people to get into to the place that I was where it's just stuff to know. But it's, it's it's something to apply. That's, you know? that's a bar. Yeah, yeah. That's hard. Not just anything. And I think that that's it. That's what like the rest of this year is. Like, if there's anything to take away that I want to encourage y'all in, it's just like to make it come alive. Let the word do its work on you mm-hmm. thoroughly. Yeah. You know, and like that's my goal for this year. I mean, both of ours and like mm-hmm. what we're really focusing on. And so, yeah, that's that's the one. Take on take his yoke his way, yeah. his lifestyle, his approach. And and that and that's the key to everything you're looking for. Yeah. That's so it, hey, y'all know the vibes. We love y'all. I'm super excited for what we got next. Hey. Like this entire month, like the rest of the year. Super new, um, fun, exciting. I hope y'all love this like format and you're gonna be seeing a lot more of it. So yeah, yeah next episode Friday. Um and you know, we'll talk to y'all soon. Stay you. Stay real. <laughs> And stay humble. We'll talk to y'all soon. Much love.